At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What makes a Carnival Cruise fun? That's up to you. Maybe it's a ride on boat, a roller coaster at sea, or a deep tissue massage at the spa. Creole-inspired cuisine at Emerald's Bistro to laid-back bites at Guy's Burger Joint. Excursions that take you from jungle adventures to beach days at Mahogany Bay and sunsets from the top deck. Long story short, no one does fun like Carnival. Carnival. Choose fun. Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 20 of the Go Get Outside podcast. This is your host, Jason Milligan. We are coming to you a day early once again. Tomorrow is New Year's Eve, so we got this out a day early, so we wouldn't be competing with the boisterous holiday of New Year's or New Year. I never can remember which is the proper pronunciation, whether it's New Year Day or New Year's Day or New Year Eve or New Year's Eve. Whether you are listening to this in 2015 or 2016, thank you for downloading this and giving it a listen. On today's show is Jake Huddleston. He is the youngest guest we have had so far on this show. Do not worry, though. That does not mean that he is four years old. We are not having a prepubescent adolescent on the show, although I'm not against that. Could be interesting. He's just much younger than most of the 30, 40, 50, 60 somethings we've had on the show so far. So maybe we'll get a little bit of a different perspective. Jake lives in a van, loves canyoneering, and carries heavy, heavy gear and pelican cases through canyons to document those because he is also a filmmaker. So back in the halcyon days of May of 2015, Jake and I, along with a number of other canyoneers, got together in Kernville, in the lower Sierra, and ran a canyon called Upper Salmon Creek which begins with a 680-foot drop that you do in multiple stages and continues into a poison oak congested canyon. So that day involved driving there, setting up a shuttle, running the canyon, and then shuttling the cars back to our campsite. So it was an extremely long day that began about 5 in the morning and ended at about 11 at night. But that did not stop us. The next morning, Jake and I got together in a very noisy park in Kernville, and we recorded this interview. So hopefully we don't sound too exhausted. Hopefully you still enjoy it. I did not enjoy having my armpits coated in poison oak for the weeks following this interview, but I did enjoy this interview, and hopefully you will too. So let's go see what Jake Huddleston has to say about canyoneering, filmmaking, and living in a van. Thank you. 
My name is Jake Huddleston. I live and work in Los Angeles. I work at a camera rental house. We rent out movie cameras and lenses and lights and that sort of thing. On the side, on the weekends, I do a lot of stuff outdoors. Uh, my main activity right now is canyoneering. I also like to get out and film those activities as well, you know, pack expensive cameras and lenses through these places and get some beautiful footage, and that's what I love to do. How do you get into these activities? My parents took us on a lot of trips when I was growing up. We did a lot of boating. We did a lot of uh, dirt biking up in the mountains. Um, I went hunting with my dad. I was in the Boy Scouts. So I did a lot of that stuff growing up, and I liked it, but I really didn't find that passion until I grew up and moved out and started doing my own thing, kind of get away from, you know, the trips that your parents plan, you start planning your own stuff and you find it's really freeing. You get out and you can do whatever you want. That's just a really cool idea. So you choose any sport you want, any activity, and you just go out and do it. Do you do the full-on Boy Scouts all the way through Eagle Scouts? or I did not. I was I was Scout? not quite that ambitious. <laughs> I was not a Cub Scout. I was a Boy Scout. I had a lot of other childhood activities going on, so I, I didn't find the time to commit fully to the Scouts. But I did, I did make it through a few ranks. I think I achieved star star rank in the scouts. Did a bunch of camping trips, did a 50-mile hike once with the Boy Scouts. That was a, a real highlight of, of the Boy Scouts. Do, and, do uh, you have the help an old lady cross the street merit badge? <laughs> I do not have that merit badge, unfortunately. There's still time. You can make yeah, it happen. It's true. I, I can't imagine it be that difficult. <laughs> I don't know, man. You might find some feisty old lady. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so you said what you do now mostly is canyoneering, right? So that's, yep. that's a big one. What drew you to that over everything else? I was looking for more activities to do on the weekends that was a little more than just regular hiking. I was looking around at some photos, looking for hiking in Arizona and Utah actually, and I saw a picture of somebody hiking in a slot canyon out in Utah, and I thought, oh, that's fun. You can actually hike in these canyons? That sounds so much better than just hiking in a local mountain. I saw that there was a name for it, which was canyoneering. I was like, oh, that's cool. Or, or I canyoneering. Or canyoneering. For everyone yeah, in the exactly. rest of the world. U.S., it's canyoneering. Everybody in the rest of the world, it's canyoning. Started doing a little more reading about it and found out there were regular canyon hikes, and then there was technical canyoneering, where you had to have technical skills, ropes, harnesses, that sort of thing, in order to go down into these places. And that really struck a chord with me. I thought that was really awesome that you have to have a certain set of skills to go to these places, which, first of all, is going to limit the number of people that can actually go to these places. And also, a lot of these places are going to be very remote. And both of those things really appealed to me. I don't usually make big decisions to buy expensive things right off the bat, but I saw this canyoneering course in Los Angeles uh, for training, and I bought it that same day that I found out what canyoneering was. Uh, I signed up for it because it just looked like an awesome activity. I've been doing that pretty actively for about a year now, so I think I made the right choice. It's funny because we're actually sitting next to this really nice river right now, but it probably sounds like we're at some sort of motorcycle race course. Yes. <laughs> but we're actually at a really nice park in Kernville because we spent the weekend canyoneering. We just did. We did. We did a canyon that started out really awesome and then turned into a pain in the ass at the end. It did, <laughs> But yeah. at the beginning, is great. 600-foot multi-pitch rappel, which was my first, which was awesome. And then the rest of it was just a terrible bushwhack and boulder hop down the mountain. But I think it was worth it. Those first few rappels and some of those waterfalls were just beautiful, and that's, that's why we get out there. For those that don't understand what multi-pitch is, essentially... You've got a rope length. You tend to not want to carry more than a 200-foot or maybe 300-foot rope. And so if you have to go down a 600-foot wall, you'll often do it in what are separate pitches, which is you'll go down 100, 200 feet, build an anchor, hang out there, continue on rappelling down. Mm -hmm. So we spent the first part of the day yesterday hanging out on this wall for a while next to this great waterfall yeah jason nice. over here was singing his heart out you know, right. he was happy yeah, i was singing love songs for everybody to keep everybody <laughs> oh, keep yeah. everybody he going. kept the spirits up for sure i don't, I don't know if <laughs> freddie knows this 
But I was hanging out on that first pitch for a long time, waiting for you guys. I really had to piss, so I pissed <laughs> all over that wall. You did, and I just didn't mention it to anybody except oh, that's Freddie because Freddie, Freddie was down there pulling rope with me. And he's like, he probably noticed. Why does it you know, smell like the... piss over here? <laughs> that, <laughs> so that's why. Yeah. That's funny. So he mentioned that yesterday because he mentioned that. He yeah. mentioned that before you told him. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you're telling him yeah. right now. That's yeah. funny, Freddie. Yeah, he knows. That's why. <laughs> oh, he knows. I told him. I just didn't tell you guys. I That's figured if nobody noticed, man. I wouldn't mention it. You're probably dehydrated too, so probably No, no, bad. no, man. I was super clear. I'm a, I'm a hydrated guy. Nice. I carry a lot of water. That's good. That's good. You live in a van. I do. Currently down by the river, at least right now. It's nothing too fancy. It's very basic, very minimal, but it's everything I need. I basically just bought a plain Chevy cargo van, and I converted it into a travel van. Put a mattress in the back here. I have two cabinets over the wheel wells. And then I put a plywood sheet over those two cabinets, put a twin-size mattress on top. That allows me some storage space underneath, which is really nice. Keep all my climbing and canyoneering and camping gear in the back. And uh, I got a cooler next to the bed for the food, uh, for camping trips and that sort of thing. And then I just got some uh, cheap Walmart plastic bins, some shelving bins for my clothes. That's pretty much all I need. Why do you live in a van? Oh, good question. I moved to Los Angeles to get into filmmaking, and I wanted to do it as a career. I was 20 at the time. I'm 22 now. I realized I still have a lot of time to buckle down to get into career and settle down, and I, I, I really wanted to travel. I really want to travel the world. Uh, I want to see a lot of places. It's very difficult budget-wise if you have to make a lot of payments. Um, I didn't go to school. I didn't go to university, so I don't have any debt for school, which has been great. Best choice I ever made. Living in the van allows me not to have to pay rent. Rent is just a huge cost for a lot of people. And having that extra money, you know, in the bank account every month is just great for savings and for buying things that you want and saving up for travel. And uh, so when I do start traveling, I won't have that to worry about. I'll be able just to go anywhere. You know, I have a house on wheels, which is what I want to do. Yeah, we drove that house on wheels last night up this terrible road for, what, an hour, hour and a half? I think it was an hour and a half up and an hour and a half back. Yep, and I was sitting in the back with your clothes and drawers flopping around. Yep, yep, I appreciate that. (laughs) Trying to make sure they weren't going to fly all over the back of the van. Yep, yep. But you have a great setup back there. You've got a bed back there. You've got basically the equivalent of a dresser system. I do, and yeah. And you've got things like very creatively organized back there. I'm pretty impressed with what you've got. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's very basic. There are a lot nicer vans out there, but they're usually more expensive. And for me, it's minimal, it's comfortable, it's functional, and that's really all I need. There's one thing you don't have that's pretty important. You have no bathroom. So I how do, do not you have a bathroom. That? So right now, I'm living and working full-time in Los Angeles. My boss is very nice in that he lets me stay late after work and they have Wi-Fi there so I use their Wi-Fi. If I'm not there I'm usually at an internet cafe somewhere in the city and so I'm really not in the van much until I'm ready to sleep and so I usually take care of business before I ever go to sleep. Most of the time that's all I need. I do actually have a portable camping toilet in there for emergencies you know if I'm ever on a trip or something and I carry some wag bags as well just in case. Luckily I haven't had to use a wag bag in the van. Right now I just take care of business before I go to sleep and that's that. At some point I'll have to probably install you know some better facilities inside when I'm starting to do more travel but for now it's fairly simple. I would think one of the great things about living in the van is like you said you don't spend a lot of time in it. It's a good motivator to not just sit in your house absolutely and be be lazy and watch TV. Absolutely. Every day you're like all right it's time to get out of the van and go do things. Exactly. And come back to the van to sleep. I'm not one to just sit and lounge around all day usually. Even if I could it'd be very difficult in the van because it gets hot in there it gets too cold. You know it's it's good just to get out. It really is. How the ladies like the van. (laughs) Uh, haven't had too much luck on the lady front since, uh, since the van, 
But uh, that seems to be know, what most people that live in a van, except maybe Bronick. Except say. maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was in a rock band at the time. So haven't been too active in pursuing the relationships at this point, just because I will be doing some traveling soon, and I don't want any of those long-distance relationships to kind of hold me back. You know, I really want to travel the world, you know, unrestricted. I got plenty of time to, to find the right girl. How long have you lived in the van now? Uh, a little over a year. And I seem to recall, and I've talked to you about it before, people are going to wonder, like, oh man, do you just stink all the time? But you've got a plan for how you keep clean and... I do, yeah. I shower every morning. I have a gym membership. Most nights I, I park on side streets, oftentimes near the gym. And then in the morning I get up, I go in and I shower. Get the gym foot fungus? Yep, get the gym foot fungus. Flip-flops usually help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're highly recommended. Yep. And then I go to work, other than living in the van, I'm, I'm a normal person. Unless, <laughs> unless I told somebody living in the van, they might never know. How much did it cost you to get the van set up like you have it now, to get the bed in there and everything you have set up? If, do you have any idea? The setup wasn't too bad. It's probably about 1500 bucks to set up the inside of the van. The most expensive part of, was the van itself, which I'm still paying off, which is fairly easy when you don't have rent. You just take your rent payments and you use it to pay right. off your your vehicle, which is very Most nice. people are paying for both, and exactly. you're paying for one that covers both. Yeah, it's very difficult. So it's been very nice in that regard. I've been paying it off pretty quickly. So yeah, the van itself is the most expensive cost. The setup inside is actually very simple. I mean, you, you've seen it. It's very basic. Not a whole lot of expensive stuff in there. It's just a basic setup. Yeah, and you've got electricity in there. You've got uh, one of those solar batteries in there. I do, yeah. I have a, a Goal Zero battery pack, which is very nice. You can charge it off of solar panels, which I don't have yet. At some point, I'm going to get some solar panels and mount them on the roof. Right now, I'm able just to take my battery to work and charge it, which is great. But it's great to power laptops, uh, charge camera batteries, you know, charge your phone, all that sort of things. You know, it's a very simple, basic setup, but it works. So you say you do have a plan. You're not going to stay at your current job indefinitely. You intend to take off uh, around the U.S., right? That's correct, yeah. As a filmmaker, I would like to travel and also document my journey. So filming my trips, working on my photography... So right now I'm still paying off the van. I'm saving up for some more camera gear. And once I kind of have all those things worked out, I'm going to save up a little money and then uh, quit my job and take off on a road trip. You know, it could be one, two years. I'm not quite sure yet. Just going to kind of go with the flow and see what happens. Do you have any kind of game plan? Like, are you thinking, oh, I just want to see the whole U.S.? Or are you specifically thinking like, oh, I want to go to canyon destinations in the U.S.? Or are you just completely open to whatever happens? happens? Kind of open to whatever happens. Right now I'm really into canyoneering on the weekends. When I start traveling, I'll... I'll still do some of it, but I'm very interested in just backpacking in the mountains, you know, through canyons out in the desert and just working on my photography and videos. And I'm really open to going anywhere. At that point, it'll probably be less canyons. Canyons are still, they'll still have a special place in my heart because that's kind of where I, where I started. But yeah, I'm really open to going anywhere. I just want to go and I just want to see and I want to experience nature in every way possible. You grew up in Washington, right? I did. And have you seen much of the rest of the U.S.? Or? I haven't, no. I've, I've been to Hawaii and Alaska very briefly. Grew up in Washington, spent a lot of time doing stuff there as well as Oregon. Been in California for two years. Canyoneering for one year, I've actually seen quite a bit of Utah, Central and Northern California since I started canyoneering. But other than those states, you know, the West Coast, I haven't really been anywhere else, and I'm really excited to go and explore some of those other places. Yeah, it'll be a valuable experience for you, I think, if for no other reason than just you'll get to experience all the separate cultures throughout yeah. the U.S. Because the U.S. is so large, and I find... It's huge. I yeah. find that people have really an accurate picture of any of the regions they haven't visited. Mm -hmm. People in the South are afraid of people out here in the West, and people in the West <laughs> are afraid of people in the South. And having lived in both, I can tell you they're both fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there are great and bad things about both. And I'm sure yeah. it's the same in the Midwest and the East. 
eastern area and everywhere so you'll yeah. get to get a feel for all of that mm-hmm. which will make you a more rounded individual i'm sure yeah, absolutely so let's talk about the filmmaking when did you start getting into that stuff and the photography i first started getting into filmmaking back in middle school i uh, i took a computer course i think it was sixth or seventh grade and at the end of the computer course our teacher had us do some creative stuff most of it was typing and that sort of thing. But at the end, he had us working on old Macs, running an early version of iMovie. And he had us do stop-motion animation, which I really got into for a couple years when I was when I was younger. I just, I loved being able to piece together stories and uh, tell a story. I loved that creative process. I loved showing people my work and seeing their reactions. And that really just clicked for me. So over the next few years, I got better at that. Eventually, I bought my first camera and started editing, got a laptop, so I was able to edit video on the laptop. After a while, I, I realized that's what I wanted to do for a living. So I applied to a few colleges to try to go to film school, got rejected, which ended up being a blessing in disguise because now I don't have any debt, and I've realized... You don't have $300,000 exactly. in film yeah, school debt? that was a blessing in disguise, and I don't have that debt, which is great. I can do whatever I want now. I mean, I wouldn't have known four years ago when I wanted to go to school that I would want to travel the world in a van, you know? Just so you know, if parents listen to this, they're going to hate you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't go to college. It worked out for me. They're yeah. going to hate you for that. <laughs> yep, yep. So I got very lucky in that regard that I'm, I'm very free to do what I want at this point in my life. I got rejected from school and decided, you know what? You don't necessarily need a degree to get into filmmaking. If you get your foot in the door, you do good work, you can succeed. And so I decided to move to Los Angeles in order to pursue that dream and just try to get my foot in the door. And so I did that. After doing that a while, I realized... I didn't want to settle down quite yet in a career. I wanted to travel. I wanted to take my love of filmmaking and creating art and uh, take that with me on my travels. So one of the things I know you do now, partly because you work at a rental house, you have access to a lot of really great gear that maybe you I wouldn't do. otherwise. Mm-hmm. And you've started bringing a lot of that through canyons. And for, for those people that don't understand, a lot of these canyons have huge pools of standing water, swimming, repelling straight into waterfalls. Mm-hmm. You're soaking wet in a wetsuit all the time, and you're carrying cameras that don't want to be wet through those. This is so, true. So tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always intimidating. There, there's always a very nervous factor to bringing these cameras into canyons. I've packed in everything from cameras that are a few hundred bucks to $50,000 cinema cameras and and lenses and all all this gear that, you know, it's very, very expensive and it's very nerve-wracking because you lose your grip on a camera and it falls into the water or it drops down the cliff or whatever. I mean, a lot of bad things can happen. Luckily, nothing bad has happened yet, but the possibility of it is, is scary. Luckily, I do have insurance, so if anything very expensive does get ruined, I, I'm covered, but it's still still not a good thing to happen. I'm able to pack a lot of these cameras through these canyons in a watertight Pelican case. I actually converted a Pelican case into a backpack and I carry that on my back. So it's shockproof, mostly shockproof, waterproof. It's got a watertight seal on it. I can go, you know, full force in a waterfall with water washing over me and the camera gear is going to be fine. I can drop into these pools and I can swim across the pool and I can drag the case behind me and it floats. Whenever I can find a dry spot, I just open the case and pull out the camera gear, and I'm good to shoot. If I remember correctly, too, you said what you did at first was you carried, for a canyon or two, just the Pelican case to test it, right? I Make did. sure it was going to be good? Yep. I uh, took the Pelican through a canyon called Jump Canyon, and there was a, there's a lot of swimming in this canyon. So what I did was and I... jumping. And jumping, yeah. Hence the name. I used the pack as a flotation device, actually. So a lot of the pools, I was actually swimming on top of the case. So the case was fully submerged underwater, around the seal and all that. And throughout the day, I would open the case and I would check inside and see if it was leaking. And uh, it never leaked once. And so I knew at that point this was going to be the best option for carrying my camera gear through the canyons. So the drawback, I mean, the Pelican case is great because it keeps everything safe. But the drawback is all that added weight. So how much weight 
in just camera gear are you often bringing through these canyons now? Yeah, there's a few drawbacks. Um, one of them is definitely the weight because I have to carry the heavy camera gear in addition to my regular canyoneering gear. And as you well know, just your regular canyoneering gear can get to be heavy. So carrying an additional, you know, maybe double the weight in camera gear can be, can be very, very tiring. It depends on the camera equipment that I'm bringing and how many lenses I bring and that sort of thing, but on average, my pack is probably around 35 to 45 pounds. Which is substantial, it's especially quite substantial, if you're yeah. also carrying rope, and harness, and gear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it gets very, very tiring. When you don't bring a camera through a canyon, it probably seems ridiculously easy by comparison. Oh, man. <laughs> Whenever I throw a, a pack on and I don't have camera gear, it's just canyoneering gear, I, I feel so lightweight and free. It's it's amazing, which is, which is cool because as difficult as packing the camera gear through a canyon can be, it's also kind of the norm for me now. Probably 75% of the canyons I do, I'm packing heavy camera gear through. So that's become more normal for me. And so when I do pack just the canyon gear, it's a luxury. <laughs> so have you found that you are able to carry the camera gear and all your canyon gear, or do you, you usually have to divvy it up with other people? I have divvied it up with other people. I have been experimenting with new ways to pack my canyon gear with me as well as my camera gear. If it's a long, a long day, say we're doing a canyon out in Zion or something and there's not much water, uh, and you have to pack all your water in, I will usually have somebody else maybe carry my water for me. If it's a canyon where you can filter your own water, I'll just bring an empty an empty water jug and, and do that. But it really depends on the trip. It really does. I mean, if you're going to be bivvying, which for those of you who don't know is doing a very minimal camping experience out in the wilderness, you know, you don't usually pack in a tent, usually bring a bivy bag instead of a sleeping bag because you don't have the room for all this extra stuff when you're going through a canyon. And so if you have a lot of extra gear like bivy gear, you know, it's usually nice to divvy it up between some of the other members of the party. And usually they're okay with that. People seem to like the work that I do, and they know that they're cool projects, and so they're usually willing to help out by taking some of my gear so that I can focus on just packing through the camera gear. And you also make them look really cool in the end. I like to think I do. <laughs> <laughs> they, get, they get to see themselves be a star and some pretty interesting stuff sometimes. Yep. So are there any particular types of stories that you want to tell right now, or are you still kind of figuring that out? Still kind of figuring that out. I have a few ideas for when I start traveling that I want to put into effect. I'd, I'd like to do some vlogs, not your standard vlogs, more kind of cinematic vlogs, you know, with some voiceovers. Oh, you don't want to just sit in front of a webcam and talk about yourself for 15 I mean, that's minutes cool to YouTube? And all. That's cool and all, but I have some higher ambitions. I got a few ideas for some travel videos when I start traveling. Right now, my current big project is a project called We Are Canyoneers. I've been working on that since last summer, and it's difficult because I'm trying to make it as high quality project as possible so every trip that I plan and take you know there may only be a few good shots that I get throughout the whole trip and so it takes a lot of trips and a lot of time to build up enough shots to create a decent project so that's a good thing to talk about too because for one thing if you're bringing say a GoPro through these canyons you can turn your GoPro on and off at will you're probably wearing yeah. it but with this gear you particularly have to pull it out get the shot put it away so it's safe and continue on mm -hmm. do you find you have to wrestle often with the, do I really want to get the gear out right now? Is it really worth it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely I do. It's easier on trips that I, that I plan and organize because I tell people flat out, hey, I'm going to be filming. We're going to be stopping a lot. You guys may be waiting around because it takes time to pull out the camera, build the rig, pack it back down again. And so that's easier than just packing a camera along on a trip that wasn't organized for the purpose of filming. So you tend to get a lot less footage on those trips because people are moving fast. You don't have time to pull it out. And then um, you don't want to feel guilty about slowing people down exactly, on a trip exactly. that they didn't intend to be exactly. a photography trip. So it's a, it's a balance. It's a fine balance sometimes. 
uh, on, on these trips and bringing this expensive camera gear through, yeah. There's the classic, when you don't feel like breaking out the cameras when you probably most should. Exactly. So it's how been often a long, do you It's been a long that? day, you're tired, you know, you're hungry, you're thirsty. You're you don't wet. Wanna, you're wet, <laughs> yeah. and you just don't feel like pulling out the camera. And it's easy to give in, and sometimes that's just how it is. But then other times, you know, you force yourself to get out the camera and get the shot. Because you're suffering right now in that moment. You know, you, you don't feel good in that moment, but then later, you know, a couple days later, you're, you're rested, you feel better. And then you go to the computer and you download that memory card and you have that shot that you got you wouldn't have gotten otherwise and you don't remember the suffering anymore. Yeah, the All suffering is temporary. The, suffering is temporary. Yeah. The shots are forever. Well, hopefully. Hopefully. We get an electromagnetic you, pulse. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Back up all your hard drives yeah. and bury one, you know, deep underground. <laughs> That's the lesson for today. Bury yes. things underground. Bury things. Probably take some GPS coordinates or something so you that can That would also be helpful, them. yeah. Yeah, that would be helpful. <laughs> yes, I think we've probably covered most everything we should talk about unless there's anything you need to get off your chest. Oh man, there's so many things. Any things you need to tell the world, any, anything you haven't uh, shared with the world that, that you've been hiding deep inside yourself <laughs> and you just been waiting for this moment. Not much that I've been hiding, it's just I'm still very young, I'm 22 and I still have a lot of life left to live but if I can offer any advice, it's just follow your dreams, you know, I mean that's it's so cliche but it really is true, you're not going to be happy unless you're doing something you like to do. Don't go to school. <laughs> don't get into that debt because you might realize a few years down the line that's not what you want to do obviously you know for some people that is what they want to do. you can't be a doctor or a lawyer without going to school and if that's what you want to be that's great you're probably going to make a lot of money too so that also helps well this is the thing as a person that did go to school i wouldn't say don't go to school i would just say don't assume it is the correct answer i think yeah. college is for particular people it's either people who have a specific path where they need a particular degree yeah or it's for people who want to meet like-minded people they want to they want to think about things yeah. they want to take some time to experiment with different fields of knowledge yeah. i think a lot of people what you get out of college isn't so much your degree so much as the people you meet there and the things you learn about and the things you think about and just having four or five years of your life where you can look at the world in a different way. And so it can be valuable in that yeah, experience. Yeah. So, so, I, so don't not go, Yeah. but don't I would go back. Obligated. I would go back and rephrase that. I, I wouldn't say don't go to school, but I would say definitely think carefully about it. Make sure you consider what you might want in the future and make sure that it's the right fit for you because sometimes it can take a long time to pay off that debt and it really does tie you down. And you can go later. If you yeah. wait too long, you're probably not going to. Exactly. All right, man. Well, cool. thanks for coming out and sitting next to the river and all the various construction machines and things that have rolled through. <laughs> you got it. It's been fun. I'd rather do it here than anywhere else. All right, let's drive back to Los Angeles and take showers. All right, let's do it. Woohoo! And that was the cherubic Jake Huddleston. Hopefully we didn't scare away any parents or future parents with our discussion of university and Jake's advice to skip it entirely. Check out this segue. What you should not skip entirely is going to our website, gogetoutside.com slash podcast and checking out episode 20. That's this episode if you aren't paying attention. Checking out episode 20's show notes. There you'll see photos of Jake in action and see this setup he has where he's got all his gear in these Pelican cases and how he's managing those in Canyon. But you will also get links to 
We Are Canyoneers. Yes, it is indeed complete. It was released just a few weeks ago. It's doing extremely well on Vimeo, and it turned out really well. So do yourself a big favor. Pause this, whatever you want to do. Stop listening, whatever. Go get outside.com slash podcast. Click on that We Are Canyoneers link. Take three minutes of your time and watch something really badass. Those aren't the only links you will find there. You will also find links to Jake's Vimeo page, his YouTube page, and his Instagram. Why are you still listening to this? Go watch the damn movie. So if you haven't run away yet to go watch We Are Canyoneers, which you probably should do rather than listen to me saying whatever dumb crap I have next to say, if you haven't run away and you'd like to contact us here at the show, I know some ways you can do that. You can email us, go at butcherbirdstudios.com, or you want to give us a call. Pick up the phone. You want to leave a nice voicemail wishing us a happy new year, welcoming us into 2016. Well, you can do that. You can call 818-925-0106 as long as you don't take longer than three minutes to do so. So we're heading into 2016. I'm super grateful for everyone who's come along so far and listened to the show and checked it out. We're getting really close to the end of this first season, and I just have one request, or three, I suppose. I have three requests for everyone out there listening. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, blah, blah, blah. You've heard this before. Subscribe to the show, rate the show, review the show. You want to make sure we have an awesome 2016 here at the Go Get Outside podcast? Then do those three things for us, please. Make sure you are subscribed and then rate and review the show. Or at least rate it. If you don't want to take the time to review it, I get it, I understand. But clicking three, four, five, two, one, however many stars you think the show deserves, that just takes a few seconds of your time. Next week, Christina Frost or Kay Frost, if you're really hip. She's a Michigan gal who fell in love with the outdoors when she was younger after taking a backpacking trip, and after that, she's completely thrown herself into it. She's tried a little bit of everything. She's led outdoor groups. She's put together an organization called Essential Explorer, all about helping women get outdoors and get active outside. And she has also become, recently, an outdoor filmmaker, having made her first film, about women fly fishermen. So come back next week in 2016 and hear from Christina Frost. See you then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What makes a Carnival Cruise fun? A picture-perfect beach day at Cozumel or a tropical adventure to Mayan ruins with snorkel excursion for good measure. A delectable surf and turf at sea topped off with craft cocktails at Alchemy Bar. Now, get some Z's. You never know what tomorrow will bring. Why? Because no one does fun like Carnival. Carnival. Choose fun.
Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama.